This is the Cine Snob Podcast. Merry Christmas and welcome to episode 145 of the Cine Snob Podcast. I'm Jared Gingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Cody, it is Christmas Day, but not really. But I mean, I'll... way to eliminate the mystique there. Look, we are at mass right now, Cody, you and I. Like we've reached our limit here? <laughs> yeah, we are at critical mass. <laughs> no, we're at the midnight mass um, at San Fernando Cathedral. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's just, that's what it, that's where they do it, right? Every year. No, I probably. I don't know. That don't was know. very hyper local. That was very San Antonio specific. We used to air that uh, when I worked at uh, WOI. Really? And in Master Control, we would air that um, like at midnight. Obviously, midnight mass. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, they, I'm sure they still do. It's a giant tradition there. Um, no, it's um, it's a little before Christmas, but this episode's coming out Christmas Day, so. You know, you're downloading it to your new um, uh, Samsung Galaxy Tab, some other <laughs> outdated tech that I can try to make a joke about. Uh, your your Rio uh, MP3 player. Wow, that's a cool. <laughs> By the way, I, that reminds me of something. Uh, I'm on uh, Pluto TV. There, uh, they have a Comedy Central channel that shows older Comedy Central shows, and they play uh, episodes of Tosh Point Mm-hmm. From like the first season in like 2010, and they still leave some of the sponsored segments in there. And one of them was sponsored by Rhapsody, the music service. Wow! I was like, whoa, shit! I can't. I forgot about that. Rhapsody. Wow! It's the real player. Yeah, it was one, like right? real. Yeah. God damn. I laugh at that, or I'll I'll laugh at any joke about Winamp. That always oh, makes me dude. laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I believe my wife on her old computer still used Winamp like 10 years ago when we first started dating. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, it worked. It worked. Like it was, and it was pretty bare bones. Um, but that was before she had an iPhone or anything. So there was at least a reason for it. Um, yeah. So, uh, so here it is Christmas day, uh, the turkey's cooking and, um, now, Jared, I'm a traditional uh, ham on Christmas kind of guy. Oh, really? I, I I'm not a big fan of of cooked ham. I mean, I'll which is it. interesting because you're such a Heathcliff guy. I am a Heathcliff guy, and he does have a ham helmet, um, <laughs> and I do have a T-shirt with that ham helmet on it. But uh, uh, you know, I am not a cat. You know what? I've never tried to see if my cats will eat ham. We just mm. don't have it in the house enough. Interestingly enough, uh, when we were in Japan. The bacon was basically ham. Oh. Like it was a different cut and it didn't get crispy. It hmm. was weird. It was very good, but it was weird. But I'm not a big fan of like that honey baked ham. I mean, I'll eat it, but it's just not my number one pick. It's not mine either, but I also am not a huge fan. Uh, I, I feel like it's really hard to do turkey without making it dry as a bone. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I said turkey, but. Uh, really, a bigger thing would be tamales for my family. Ah, yes, so, yes, yes. The uh, classic San Antonio Christmas tradition where everybody buys tamales from one tamale place and the line <laughs> is out the door for <laughs> nine hours. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, we decided to um, bring you a little Christmas episode today with uh, probably two of the most diametrically opposed Christmas releases uh, we've ever featured on here. Yeah, neither uh, movie really fits the bill. I mean, maybe Little Women, I guess. But I think Little Women is uh, like a, a movie you could go watch with your family uh, on Christmas Day because I, I feel like that's what a lot of people do. Yeah, Uncut uh, Gems, you, probably not. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump right in. What do you say? Let's move on to reviews. 
Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Little Women. Joe, would you like to dance with me? I can't because... Because of what? You won't tell? Never. I scorched my dress, see? There. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. You can laugh if you want to. It's funny, I know. I have an idea of how we can manage. Have you ever seen a uh, Little Women movie before, Cody? No, this is my first uh, version of Little Women that I've seen. M- mine too, and I don't re- remember if I read the book or not. I I remember reading. I I think we read the Bronte sisters stuff in high school. I don't think we read Little Women, but it, it you know it's probably was a little out of my wheelhouse back then when I was reading Jurassic Park and shit. So, <laughs> but anyway, this is a uh, the latest adaptation. Uh, notably from director Greta Gerwig, who is, um, who I think we, we both really like here. Uh, I know you weren't as big a fan of Lady Bird as I was. Uh, uh I like, I like Greta Wer- uh, Gerwig as an actress more than I like her as a writer, but, um. What about as a director? I thought we liked, uh, Mistress America too. Mistress America, well, that's a Noah Baumbach. Oh, you're right. Didn't she write that? I think she might have. And I, I feel like maybe she wrote Francis Ha as well. I don't remember. I'm getting. I'm getting the writing. And, and I mean, they're married. Confused. They're married, so they collaborate together a lot. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what did you think of of Little Women? Well, um, you know, it, it's interesting because it's. I, I'm. I'm not the biggest fan of period pieces unless they're done, like, really well. Um, not to say that this isn't, but, um, you know, it starts, I mean, and it's also a PG movie, so it's a little bit of a, you know, a, an interesting take on, um, on, on, on an end of the year film that, that I guess, like you said, maybe more of a family thing. Um, so as, as a person who had never experienced Little Women before, I was a little bit surprised that a lot of the movie is about the Timothy Chalamet character trying to, like, plow his way through the family, <laughs> um, and kind of, like, you know, find a different girl that, uh, like, he sort of has a romantic interest in almost every sister in the Dude, movie. That, that's such, that's very Victorian era, um, yeah. Uh, romance though. It's like move yeah. on to the sister anyway. And I didn't know I didn't know that that was the story. I mean, I just didn't know anything. So um, I was I was a little bit surprised for that. I, I think that the performances across the board are really good. Um, I think that. I think Florence Pugh is probably the one that people are talking about the most, though I don't know that she plays the younger end of it um, as convincingly as she does the older. It comes off a little bit weird seeing her be like a petulant child, I think, and I don't know that that's super consistent. Uh, Saoirse Ronan, I think, is is really great, um, who I think is the biggest distillation of Greta Gerwig's voice throughout the movie because otherwise it doesn't really feel like a Greta Gerwig written movie. Um, and I think maybe that's just the source material doesn't allow for it to be kind of, um, you know, super like, like pointed and smart and, 
There are some elements of it. I really like the stuff with Tracy Letts when she's trying to sell her stories to and book to Tracy Letts's character. Right. Um, I, I think also those from are the, Lady. Also from Lady Bird. Yeah. Uh, and I think those are the scenes where Gerwig's writing starts to um, really shine through. Um, the characterization of it all, I think it really comes down to the characters between, you know, Timothy Chalamet, um, Saoirse Ronan, and um, Florence Pugh, and those three um, that, uh, that that sort of interact. And I found the other sister characters to be, uh, especially like Emma Watson, I don't really know has a ton to do. Um, in the movie, well, she she's the she's the odd sister out in the in the story. You know, she's the one that wants the normal life to be married, mm-hmm. and uh, Beth is the one that you know tragedy befalls. And yeah, and here's the thing: um, I really don't know why the story is told non-linear, and I don't really think that it helps anything. Um, I, I don't think that it allows for the narrative to kind of shine through with that kind of storytelling device. Um, and I, and I frankly didn't like, was kind of a bit bothered by it. I don't know how you felt about the nonlinear nature of it. Well, I, I, from what I took away from it, it was, it was the, the reciting of her story. Um, you know, in a, in a way, like she was, she was writing the story as she went along. And I did like the juxtaposition of, of the, the scenes, you know, with happier times compared to sad times, I thought that worked really well. Uh, again, I've never read the book. You know, obviously the book is linear, but this is, um, you know, it jumps back around between time frames, and I think it's, I think it's really effective. I think it, it, it lends a bit of confusion uh, to some scenes because, uh, you know, Timothy Chalamet doesn't really look different in some scenes, um, so you might be kind of confused as to where you're ending up, um, and. Uh, 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 Florence Pugh, like you said, is not. Gr- I mean, as the younger version of the character, I don't know that it's very successful. But uh, I, I did enjoy the 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 juxtaposition that it would you you know with, like when she uh, is at the beach with Beth um, as as Beth is is sick from scarlet fever, that it cuts between that and the the time when they're they're all the whole family's at the beach frolicking. I think was a good choice personally. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. I, I could see I could see how it might be a little jarring at times too. Yeah, and I think above all else, and I don't I don't have a, it's been actually to be honest, it's been a while since I've seen it. But um, for me, I just was a little bored by it. Um, I don't think that narratively speaking, it's it's there's enough like fireworks, even though that I think it's meant to have some, especially the drama between the sisters. Um, though I, again, it was like, it's what, it, you know what it reminded me of is like seeing like a really well acted play that I didn't care about, um, <laughs> where, where just like, I can, I can objectively say that everyone in this is doing a good job and that it's well made and well produced and well written. And I just don't care. I, you know, I, I was a, honestly a little bored in the first 45 minutes and then, uh, it started to pick up for me for whatever reason. I think once I, I, it took me a little while to get in the swing of it because it's not a property I'm familiar with. It's not a story I've, I've read or have any affection for. So it took a little bit to crack. And I, I think, um, you know, really by the, the halfway point, I was, I was pretty invested because I, I watched it late last night and I was tired and I wanted to go to bed. But then I, at, at some point it turned me to want to watch the rest of it. And I don't really remember what that was, but I was I was very pleased by it. And then, like some, there's some nice little 
stuff that pops up in there. Like you said, Tracy Letts is, is really good. I love seeing Bob Odenkirk, um, even though he doesn't really get to do anything. Um, I really, really liked Chris Cooper in this movie. Uh, he just kind of plays a benevolent rich man, but I, I really, I really liked that. And the, I think there is some wit there um, with um, the French uh, professor. See, I don't, I didn't. That character made zero impact on me. I mean, there, there's he gets a funny line at the beginning uh, when she talks about no one will rem- remember him when he's dead, and he said, "Yes, probably, probably right." Or something like that, and I, I laughed at that line. I, I just, it, I think a familiarity with the material probably would have been beneficial um, to make this a, a more enjoyable experience. Not that I didn't enjoy it, and I think Sir, Saoirse Ronan is great. I like Florence Pugh. Um, again, it's another another fun uh, turn from Laura Dern, who I think plays that that sort of character really well. Um, Emma Watson is pretty wasted, but I think that's the nature of that character. Um, and I, I like Timothy Chalamet, but he kind of comes across as a dick a lot of the, in a lot of the movie. And I don't know if that's right. It's, it, and for me, that that's a that's a barrier to um, really sort of um, having that character be impactful for, you know, why each one of these women is kind of drawn to him, I think. Yeah. In my and, opinion. And, and I liked uh, Meryl Streep. She's only in it maybe five minutes total. I I thought she was acting. I, I was I was not a. Fan. I think she played it too big. But mm, I don't know. I I was okay with it. But overall, I, I think it's I think it's a it's a fine family movie, and it, it's it's a it's got a different enough spin on it that I think it it can make it uh, a little more appealing to to modern young women who would be discovering this for the first time. I assume um, if if they haven't read the book or or don't know anything about it. But it's it's I I, I ended up liking it. I didn't love it. Love it. What is yeah. your what's your grade for for Little Women? I give I give it a B minus. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just never cared, and I wish I did. And I like I said, I wish I could articulate more. It's been quite a bit of time since I've seen it. And I've seen <laughs> you know twenty movies since then. But um, yeah, I just I like I said, I think performances are good. Technically speaking, it's good. I was just I was just pretty bored by it all. You wanted to see Little Men. Um. No, I do think I do think that is the sequel to the to the book. Oh, okay. Well, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll make that movie. But I is that different than Little Man? Uh, was it? What was that? Oh, was that the a Wayne's Brothers? I movie? think that's a Wayne Brothers movie. Wayne's Brothers movie, right? Yeah, this is a um, Little Men is a sequel to Little Women. So, anyway. yeah, it was a it was a movie with um, directed by Keenan Ivory Wayne's. It was with. Uh, quite a murderous row of uh, talent here. Uh, Marlon and uh, excuse me, uh, Marlon and Sean Waynes, Kerry Washington, John Witherspoon, Tracy Morgan. Wow! It was a it uh, it had three uh, Razzies. It won three Razzies. The uh, the late John Witherspoon. Yes. Anyway, Play, playing a character in this movie called Pops, which checks out. Uh, he, I think he played Pops. In uh, the Wayne's Brothers TV show, too. Mm, that was okay. his name, was Pops. So it was know. a shared universe. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to give it a B. I, I, I liked it enough, and I I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I think, again, familiarity with the source material might have made, made me a little more passionate about it. All right, let's move on to our next movie, Uncut Gems. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. That's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. 
I disagree. I disagree, Gary. What is that? I started this. You're taking my money all over town, placing bets. I'm having very serious second thoughts. Are you serious right now? I know I fucked up. Howard, where's the money right now? Howard, got my money? Howard! Howard! Is it too late? I'm done. That means nothing. It meant nothing. Please. Give me another shot. So this is the first Adam Sandler movie in a damn long time that has been something other than a terrible comedy. Uh, and I think it's it's um, probably the biggest departure ever for Sandler. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a very intense movie. Um, but uh, let's let's talk about it. What did you think of Uncut Gems? You know, um, so I think one thing that I, I I mentioned on this show recently even was uh, the idea that I I I find characters in movies that kind of can't help themselves and can't um and like it can't help but like say things or do things like they just have no like control over that like really fascinating and um this is a character study of that to the millionth degree where you have a character where everything that goes wrong for him is his own fault <laughs> and uh and and it's and it's a constant repercussions of the actions of of a person who is ultimately pretty unlikable um and um and the best way to describe this movie is it's basically like a 2 hour anxiety attack it's <laughs> uh it is incredibly intense um but also it's a, it's kind of an attack on the senses. It's very loud, very loud music, which I think the music is really great actually. I, I thought I, the I thought the mix was off at the beginning, but I think that, I'm sure that was intentional. Yeah, it's intentional because there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people yelling and talking over each other where you kind of it, like it's like the walls are closing in because of the intensity of everything. Um and what you get is um a movie about a guy who who just climbs deeper and deeper into debt and gambling debts. And when he finally wins something, he decides to double down on it. And like, like he's that kind of guy who will double down on something instead of like just cutting his, uh, not only cutting his losses, but like cutting his wins and just being, <laughs> he's never okay with anything. And, and, um, and it's anchored by Adam Sandler, who's in basically every scene of the movie, um, who is quite honestly pretty transformative. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. that it's, it's, you're, you're not, going to be taken out of the movie by the fact that it's Adam Sandler. You may initially, but once the character settles in and you see what a departure and a different thing for him to do uh, is, I think that you really kind of become involved and engrossed in the movie. Um, I think the movie is really funny, and I I like its use of... uh, It's funny when it needs to be, I should say. It's definitely not a comedy. Um, And it makes the use of, like, some... Like, you can tell that some of those people are, like, real people in that world like people in the diamond <laughs> district in New York, like real actor or not real actors, but real people. Um, and, um, and then I think it, it makes a great use of a great uh, supporting cast. I think that um, uh, look, Lake- Stanfield is in it and he, he's, he's really good. Kevin Garnett is actually pretty good in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I did like the way they, they like framed real game footage and real games around this story about Kevin Garnett basically being a fucking weirdo. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so it is built around that stuff and there's, and there's, uh, so it takes place in, I think 2012. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's, it's a simplistic story about a guy who continues to get in over his head. And, um, and, and I love seeing that impulse stuff. There's also a great performance from, um, what's her name? I think it's Julia Fox. Is that it? Oh yes. Yeah. As his girlfriend. Yeah. As his girlfriend. Yeah. She's, and this was like her first ever movie that she's ever been in. Um, and, and she gives a really great performance. Um, and again, like, cause there's like a great scene of them, like, you know, like screaming at each other on the side of the road after uh, something that happens at a concert with the weekend, who's also in the movie. And, and, and it's just, it's just, again, madness. It's pure madness. Um, you messaged me about this earlier, but there's a great cameo in the movie that <laughs> that really made me laugh the first it's time I saw so it. It's so weird. It's so weird and random. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but it's but it's really funny. And again, I I just it's the it's the kind of movie that for me, in my opinion, it's gonna have you like digging your fingernails into the side of your Dude, chair. It, it that's the one thing I p- took away from it right away was holy shit, this thing is anxiety inducing because it's yeah. it's basically this this guy chasing uh money and, and and the i guess the the win in gambling and he's constantly moving pieces around mm-hmm. and like to his detriment and he 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 finally uh you know there there's finally the chance for the big score and there's just so many things in place and there's like so many people breathing down his neck about it and it's just so uh anxiety inducing and and i think sandler's really really good in this Mm-hmm. And he he's kind of stays above it all. And he, I mentioned this last episode, but uh, uh, someone I said I saw online said he looks like he's like Rich Voss. <laughs> yeah. Rich, who? I mean, it's a very apt description. Like it's it's Sandler, but he's playing like a scuzzy, uh, you know, degenerate gambler, uh, borderline crook, um, in the Diamond District of New York, and it's um. But like, but the way that you describe it is exactly right. Where like everything, every single decision he makes is almost at his detriment. And like you, and like you're watching the movie unfold and like thinking, what is this guy doing? Like, and this is not a spoiler at all because it happens very early on. But he has this stone and he trades Kevin Garnett his championship ring for it, and he immediately goes and pawns Kevin Garnett's championship ring. Well, yeah, he, yeah, it's to hold that. Like he he loans the stone to Kevin Garnett. And then yeah. he, he gives him his championship, bring his collateral, and it like immediately pawns it. And it's just and it's just insane because it because like literally everywhere he turns, there's a new person after him and trying to collect and uh, and him trying to balance that with his home life, which is quite honestly very sad to watch, but but in a good way. I don't I don't know, man. I I you can continue, but I really like I really love this movie. No, I did too. I thought it was very. Um... I mean, you know, once I once I settled into the fact that this was going to be a two hour uh, uh, panic attack, as you mentioned, it was I, I was riveted. I mean, I and I, I think right until the end, I was like, man, this is really good. Um, and Sandler, I mean, you forget it's Adam Sandler. I mean, you know, it's Adam Sandler. Yeah. but You forget that. Well, because he doesn't he doesn't rely on any sort of affectation, nor does he ever fall into it. I mean, there's not a scene in this movie i or a moment in this movie where i thought okay that's like that's a nod to adam sandler that feels like adam sandler he is a hundred percent in this role even to the point where he has a big dramatic breakdown too where he's really good and there's a god there's one scene in the middle of the movie where he's just trying to fix a door yes (laughs) and there's just this cacophony of shit happening yeah and it's so good and it's so real 
Yeah, those, it, the, the guys who are playing the people that are after him are scary as hell. Yeah, those dudes look like real. I mean, those I'm I don't know if they were on the Sopranos, but they probably should have been. I'm sure they have been in like they're like super tough guy character actors. Um, but you know the the realness of the people in the shop and the the scuzziness of all of that, and then uh, mixed with the like super Judaism uh, aspect of it with Judd Hirsch finally getting a good role after. How long? Of man, being... he looks so old, man. He doesn't well, even look is, like himself. He's fucking old as shit. Oh, I but, know, uh, but it's uh, crazy. Uh, Eric Bogosian, who is always great to pop up as a menacing weirdo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the the relationship between his character and Adam Sandler's character that you find out later in the film, it's really, really yeah. intense. Yeah. And uh, um, it's it's just, it, it was just a, a, a really, really great time, I thought. And, you know... A career best performance by Adam Sandler. I mean, maybe after Little Nicky, but <laughs> well, yeah. And and it's fun to to talk about the movie as a great time because nothing that happens is good. Like it's just it's just oh yeah no it's it... just disaster after disaster. But for it's you can't it's like a car wreck that you can't look away from. Um, and I think that's that's to its point. And and like like you were saying that scene with the door. Like there's there's so much noise and yelling and pounding and screaming and. And, and like it's it is just you have to be comfortable with the act, the idea that this movie is going to make you squirm because of one thing or another, either the intensity of the situation, the decisions by the character, the amount of noise and sound that's going on. It's just it, it, it is by design meant to kind of like really make you, uh, you know, squirm or uncomfortable in your seat or, you know, anxiety inducing yeah and there there's not really a, a the standard plot that you would expect like it just it just keeps sort of escalating like there's no real inciting incident there's no real like third act turn it just keeps going and going until it finally ends and uh i it's it it's it's kind of off-putting but in a good way because you don't really know where you're going and what to expect and so yeah. here's here's a fun thing that I wasn't going to mention, but I now that I think about it. So I went I went to the restroom um, in my press screening, and I missed the Eric Bogosian scene where you get that connection. Mm-hmm. So I was without that on my first watch, and then I watched it again, and I saw that, and I'm like, oh shit, that that really changes things a little bit. <laughs> Jesus, uh, were you taking a were you taking a dump? That was no, a long I just scene. I I just went at the wrong like because I I missed the like I went right at the middle of the party before he mm-hmm. shows up to the party, and then I mm. went you know when I was peeing that was when all that stuff, and when I got back, I think they were like leaving the party. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah, that would be a little a little nugget you'd want to have. Yes, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it can be overstated about, and I, I do wonder what happens with Sandler's career after this because it is not traditionally a role you would maybe even think to hire him for, um, but it's something that he does, you know, with relative ease. Where I mean, a lot of people are talking about it, understandably so, because it's such a, it's such a, a well performed, perf- uh, you know, performance where, you know, you wonder has he had this in him the whole time and has been making movies with his friends for Netflix just because he wants to have fun or whatever, which I mean, he has gone so much as to say that he sets movies in Hawaii so he can take vacations with his friends, but you know, well, right. And, and, and I mean, there was this talk after funny people too, where funny people sort of excoriates his career. It, it does. But in funny people, he is playing some version of himself, even though it's a great performance. 
there's Adam Sandler is very deeply rooted in that character, whereas this well, character. Well, that's what, I, that's what I mean. That's what I mean is that the you know it already points to the fact how ridiculous his career was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I would hope for something you know along these same lines, as long as it's not Spanglish, or mm-hmm. uh, what was the one where he was uh, like the nine eleven survivor? Oh, rain over me. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, what's your grade for Uncut Gems? I give it a very strong B plus. Uh, don't it, it? It it is a top ten contender for me um, for sure. Yeah, I think it's on my top ten. I'm giving it a B plus too. I, I don't really know what I would what I would change, but a B plus I think is is um, yeah that that's gonna make it on my top ten. It was just it was that good, and it, mm-hmm. it's it's so it's so off putting and and hard to get through sometimes, but it's worth it. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. I don't even know what's coming up next because we're at the end of the year, Cody. Yeah, um, I'm checking to see what's opening um, at least locally um, the following week, and I think it's just the, like the first actual week of the year. So, like uh, the new ver- the new Grudge, the Grudge movie comes out. Oh, um, so we're getting into the January doldrums um, right off the bat. <laughs> man, man, by the way, um, um, today again at the theater, I saw uh, the Doolittle trailer. Oh man, is that going to be? That's got to be one of the biggest upcoming disasters, I would assume. I that movie will make will lose records amount of money. I, I'm predicting that thing looks like <laughs> a turd, and that thing's been that that thing's been in production forever, and like and just money added and added to the budget over the years, and I just I cannot believe that. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's always crazy to me when you hear about these things and you wonder why these companies don't cut their losses. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob Find us on Twitter at cinesnob, on Facebook cinesnob critic. Um, you can find uh, me under the mistletoe tonight, Cody, because it's Christmas, and uh, I am uh, gonna stuff a stocking. Wow. <laughs> I'm trying to be funny. But... Cut that out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it. <laughs> it's Christmas. You can have that. It's a gift. Thank you. <laughs> uh, anything else before we go? No, it's just uh, it's also a new year. So it's another year where we actually did the podcast this year. So wow. <laughs> hooray us. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and hey, uh, uh, I know um, – I don't know if you spoke to Kiko about this, but we we turning in our top ten movies of the year on Citizen.net oh, yeah. and top ten of the decade. Yeah, we'll have to do an episode for that. Yeah, because um, I was I went to look back and I was like, oh shit, I forgot about some of these movies. Well, what's interesting for me is I've been looking back and not to spoil anything, but there are movies that were maybe five or six on any given year that in in you know with time and with rewatches and stuff have have will be in my decade list but we're like number five on a certain year and it's no, gonna think... jump ahead of like four other movies yeah no I, that's gonna happen for me too uh and then there's like movies that i just plain forgot about like uh um there's an oscar isaac uh what the hell is that movie called it's not um um the coen brothers one but it's something where he's like an oil Oh, uh, most violent year. Yeah, fuck. I had that on my top ten list, and I don't even remember that movie. Man, people love that movie. Um, yeah, and there's stuff for me too, where where there's stuff that's in my top two or three, where I couldn't I couldn't map 
map out what that movie, like the plot of, of, of a certain <laughs> movie. Like, I don't have any specific examples, but like I know that, for example, The Artist was number one on my list in like 2011, and I have not seen that movie or thought about that movie since. <laughs> I thought about it recently, and I, I remember it being really, really fun uh, to watch, but I don't remember. I, I've literally never seen it again. Yeah. I don't even know if you could, like, where do I find it? I, I own it, on... so I, you know. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so yeah, uh, look for that. I also think the, the decade finished really strong too, where I feel like a lot of my top 10 stuff is going to be rooted in the back half of the decade. Um, because there's stuff like, like, um, like, like there's stuff that, that I can't believe were one, two, like, like Boyhood and Birdman were one, two that year. And then like Moonlight and, and for me, Manchester by the Sea were one, two, where those are both equal candidates. I mean, that could be four in your top decade list and nobody would bat an eye. So right. it's going to be interesting to see making those tough decisions of, you know, what belongs and uh, and also the criteria too. I mean, am I am I taking the best ten movies or am I taking the ten movies that um, I want to rewatch over and over again? And you know, so you know, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, so look for that. We'll do a podcast on that. Maybe that'll be our next episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Let's do best of the decade. All right. Uh, on that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.